0: Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 46 of The Christian's Daily Walk by Henry Scudder. The parts of man which are kept by this peace of God are the heart and mind. By heart is meant the will. And affections by mind the power of thinking and understanding for true peace of god does fill the heart with such joy patience hope and comfort in believing that it keeps it from heart vexing grief fear distrust and despair it likewise fills the mind so full of apprehension of God's favor, fidelity, and love, that it makes it rest secure in God and delivers it from distress of mind or anxious cares about anything, keeping out the dominion of all perplexing and distrustful thoughts. The strength which this peace has Whereby it keeps the heart and mind as with a garrison, is impregnable. It is derived from Christ. It has it in and from Christ. The text saith, through Christ, that is, through the power of Christ's Spirit. For as we are kept by faith, from which this peace springs, As with a strong garrison by the power of God to salvation, 1 Peter 1.5. So, by the same power of Christ, our hearts and minds are kept by the peace of God. As with a garrison from discouraging, distracting, and uncomfortable thoughts. For what is this peace else but a beam from the object of our faith, proceeding from the love of God to usward, and the fruit of faith as we feel it wrought in us by God. This peace of God is twofold, or one and the same, in different degrees. The first is an actual entering into and mutual embracing of peace, between God and man. The second is the manifestation and expression of this peace. The first is when God and man are made friends, which is when God is pacified towards man and when man is reconciled unto God so that now God stands well-affected towards man and man has put off enmities against God which mutual atonement and friendship Christ Jesus, the only mediator between God and man, 1 Timothy 2.5, has by his satisfaction and intercession wrought for man and by his spirit applies unto and works in man. For until this atonement be applied, God, in his just judgment and holy displeasure, is an enemy unto man for sin. Psalm five, 5 Romans 5.10. And man, in his evil mind and unjust hatred, is an enemy unto God. Colossians one twenty one, And unto all goodness through sin. The first piece is, Peace of God with man, inherent in God, working the like disposition of peace in man towards God, and is the fountain from which the second floweth. The second kind, or rather, further degree of peace of God is the operation and manifestation of the former peace, which is a peace of God in man wrought by the Spirit of God through the apprehension that God is at peace with him. This peace is partly and most sensibly in the conscience, which is called peace of conscience, and may also be called peace of justification. According to that, being justified by faith We have peace with God, etc. Romans 5.1 And it is partly in the whole reasonable man, whereby the will and affections of the soul agree within themselves and are subject to the enlightened mind, conspiring all of them against the common adversaries of God and the soul, i.e., the flesh and the devil. This may be called peace of sanctification. According to that of the apostle, Romans 6:22, being made free from sin and become servants of God, you have your fruit unto holiness. This is the agreement of all the members to become servants to righteousness unto holiness. Romans 6:19. Not but there will be warring always in our members, but it is not the warring so much of one member against the Spirit as another, as the warring of the flesh in every member against the Spirit, which Spirit also wars against the flesh. This conflict between the flesh and the Spirit, beginning in man, as soon as the Spirit has wrought the peace of holiness, in setting the soul in order. Moreover, this piece of sanctification consists in this, that although a Christian must never be, nor ever is, at peace with sin, so that it does not assault and molest him, or that he should subject himself to it, or have it Absolutely subject to him in this life, yet he has a peace and quiet in comparison from sin, inasmuch as he is freed from the dominion and power of sin. Romans 6, 14, 22, To condemn him, or to reduce him to his former bondage unto sin. Now, so far as a man gets a conquest over his lusts that they are kept under and forbear to assault and molest him, so far he may be said to have this peace of sanctification. The conscience, when it is awakened in the act of accusing and condemning man for sin, does with all prick. Acts 2.37 Proverbs 18.14 Sting and wound the heart with unutterable and inconceivable griefs, fears, and terrors through the apprehension of God's infinite, eternal, and just wrath for sin. Now when God, by his Spirit, Romans 5, 1-5, gives any true hope, and assurance unto a man that his justice is satisfied concerning him through Christ, and that now all enmity and wrath is done away on God's part, and that he loves him in Christ with a free, full, and everlasting love. Romans eight sixteen. Hereby... He speaks peace to the conscience, having done away all the guilt of sin, which before molested it through sense of God's anger and fear of punishment. Hence arises peace and comfort in the conscience, which therefore is called peace of conscience. Thus the mind ceases to be perplexed and by faith in Christ's death through the Spirit becomes quiet within heavenly tranquility, resting on the word of promise, and according to the measure of clear apprehension of God's love in Christ, in the same measure is that sweet agreement within itself, without fear or trouble. John fourteen twenty-seven and in the same measure, he has peace of conscience flowing from the assurance of justification. As soon also as a man begins, actually, to be at peace with God, his lusts do begin to be at war with him, rebelling against the law of his mind, which yet by little and little shall be subdued and conquered, which conquest though it be imperfect in this life, yet by virtue of the peace now made with God, if he will improve it by seeking help of God and taking to him the complete armor, fighting manfully under Christ's banner. Ephesians 6.10 He may so prevail against them that they do not so often nor so strongly assault him as in former times. Now, so far as the powers and faculties of man agree in their fight against sin and subdue it, that it does not assault and molest him, he may be said to have the peace of sanctification. The first peace whereby God is pacified and is become propitious and gracious to man is absolutely necessary to the being of a Christian. The second, which rests from the manifestation of this peace unto man and the sensible feeling of the operation of this peace in man, is not necessary to the being of a Christian, at least in a sensible degree of it, but to the well-being of a Christian it is necessary. For a man may be in the favor of God and yet be without a sense of this peace in himself because this peace of conscience does not flow necessarily from the being in God's favor, but from knowledge and assurance of being in his favor. Now a man, in many cases, may lose for a time his sense of God's favor, his faith being overclouded with fears and unbelief, as it was with David after his adultery, etc. Psalm 51, 11, 12. Who yet was upheld secretly by his right hand, as the psalmist was in another case, Psalm seventy three twenty three By virtue of that first peace of God, yet until God gave him the sense and feeling of his loving countenance, he could not enjoy the comfort of it. Yea, though God, by Nathan, in the outward ministry of his word, had given him assurance of God's loving kindness saying the Lord has put away thy sin thou shalt not die Second Samuel 12 13 this concludes episode 46 of Henry Scudder's The Christian's Daily Walk